This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 40 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to the Sports Psychology Hour at our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week entertaining you with the world of sports psychology, your mind, your attitude, your focus. How do you perform mentally? Where does your attitude, where does your focus, where does your, where does your relationship with your teammates come into play? I've been very fortunate. I'll be beginning my 41st year of work after Labor Day next week. And I love doing this show. I've been on the radio for 30 years here in Kansas City. Our shows are podcasted all over on all the apps. And one of the few sports psychology shows in the country. And we talk about topics on this show that most shows, other other, other sports talk shows really don't get into. And that is, that is the mental side of sports. You know, I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. So how do you develop a stronger mind? What do you need to do to do that? The world of sports psychology, when I started in 1981, actually back in grad school in the 70s in San Diego, trained under Dr. Robert Nidefer, one of the premier sports psychologists in our country. Really, people hadn't heard of this before. I I Moved back to Kansas City from San Diego in 1981, and I stopped at the Olympic Training Center and interviewed with the assistant head of sports medicine about working with the Olympic teams. The assistant head of sports medicine told me, we don't need any of you PhD types running around here telling us what's wrong with our athletes. Well, June of the following year, I got a call from them about the cycling team interested, you know, cycling federation interested in hiring someone, and I got hired there. I moved back to Kansas City, as I said, in August of 1981, started interviewing with some of the small colleges here to work just even even for free. And an athletic director at one of the schools here who wore a cape, he was an older dude, he threw the cape over his shoulder and said, look, we don't believe in witchcraft and hocus pocus, so thank you very much, but uh, we're not interested. Now... 40 years later, sports psychology has become a hot topic. I've talked for years on this show the importance of mental health in athletes. And we've seen in the last several years prominent athletes like Michael Phelps, Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, Kevin Love, amongst others, come out and talk about their feelings, their emotions. The fact that they're people. You know, we put athletes on these pedestals because they're in tremendous physical shape. But that doesn't mean mentally or psychologically they are. 
where does this all start? It starts, obviously, in the homes, how we're raised. But in the world of sports, it also starts with your training, not just physically, but psychologically. We have been, for the last year and nine months, in a crisis of hell in this country, dealing with this coronavirus and all the problems that have come from it. We thought we were coming out the other side of it late June, early July, and now things have gotten bad again. And sports has not stopped. Again, it's continuing in light of all the things going on. And I'm not here to talk about vaccines or viruses or things like that, but I'm here to talk about coaches. And I'm here to talk about the role coaches have now. You know, I've talked in this show forever about how I feel very strongly that the coach you have is a guide, a mentor, a friend, a psychologist, a disciplinarian, a listener, a shoulder to lean on, somebody to direct you, to instruct you. But today, coaches have a new role. And that's to be, more than anything else, a good listener and more of a friend than ever before. We have a lot of kids playing sports who are scared to play sports because they don't want to get sick. They don't want to catch the virus. We've got this whole dilemma with masks and everything going on. People who fight wearing them, people who propose wearing them. I'm not going to get into that on this show. I wear one. I believe in it. But here's my point. A coach has to take on a different role now. Rather than teaching you how to hit a baseball or catch a football or make a turn in the pool, a coach has to get into your head more than ever before. So what I want to do today is open up our phone lines, and I'd like to hear from you. If you are a coach, how do you feel your role has changed? What do you feel some of the things you need to do now as a coach to help your athletes deal with all this stress and pressure? Because I think more than ever before, young kids, youth athletes, high school athletes, college athletes, professional athletes are dealing with a lot more anxiety and stress and pressure and tension and fear than ever before. Our phone number here is 913-3810-810. I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach. How are you coaching kids today in light of the coronavirus and light of the issues related to that how are you helping them cope and get through this sports is a great outlet it's a great area to give us an an opportunity to express ourselves to share how we feel to share what we do and i think a coach more than ever before has to be a good psychologist now so i'd like to hear from you if you're a coach and i know a lot of coaches tell I, i hear feedback all the time from Coaches who say to listen to the show, I'd love to hear from you and get your thought about how do you feel your role has changed in light of COVID-19 and the pressures we're facing today in our society? Are you taking time as a coach to have a mental health session with your team? And I don't care if it's young kids, if it's high school kids, if it's college kids, whatever. 
Are you taking some time to just talk and listen about how they're feeling? Instead of coming to practice one day and working on set plays and routes you're running or specific skills you have to learn in your specific sport, are you taking some time to get to know these kids? Males, females, adults, teenagers, youngsters, whatever. And the parents, are you taking some time to understand some of the fears these kids have now about playing sports? I think a coach more than ever before, now so, more than ever, has to take on the role of a good psychologist, a good listener. And I have, I have encouraged people to take a practice and don't suit up, don't run routes, take some time to sit down in a group and talk and share feelings and discuss emotions and stress and fear and anxiety. And you know what? Not just in light of COVID-19, but in light of life. I think it's really important to do that now more than ever before because a lot of kids are scared. Scared of getting sick, scared of catching something, taking it home, dealing with the pressures and stressors we have in our life today. So I'd like to hear from you. Our phone number is 913-3810-810. If you're a coach... How are you coaching kids today? Have you changed? Are you the same? What's different? And if you're an athlete, do you think your coaches need to change the way they deal with you? I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. And our topic today, the technology gap, especially for communities of color, whether it's jobs, businesses, or the adverse impact in getting credit or uh, in the criminal justice system. These um, automated decision systems have to be taught how to make decisions. They don't just grow on trees. And so the question is, is how do we teach them? We teach them by feeding past data, past human decisions, whether it's who gets loans, who gets paroled, um, you know, who gets the job. So we take that historic data and we train these systems how to make future predictions and decisions. It's almost as if technology is sort of uh, trailing alongside systemic inequalities. For more, Watch State of Play TV Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 central on the Black News Channel or go to State of Play TV on YouTube. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. 
Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Our shows are podcasted on most of the apps and rebroadcast in a number of cities throughout the country. And as I mentioned in our opening segment, I want to talk today about the role coaches have now in light of COVID-19 and the pressures and stressors that we're facing in life today. And I would love to hear from you if you're a coach. Has your role changed? Do you need to become more of a psychologist, a good listener, than an instructor and a guide running, teaching routes and plays? I feel very strongly that you do especially for a lot of younger athletes, well, as well as older athletes, high school and college athletes as well. I work with athletes at all, all levels, from youth sports to the professional ranks. I work with a lot of NFL players, Major League Baseball players, Olympic athletes as well. And we talk about stress. We talk about confidence. We talk about mindsets. And we talk about how they handle pressure and stress. And today, more than ever before, the conversations I have with so many athletes are not just about, you know, how to stand over a golf ball and empty your mind and be comfortable hitting that ball, or how, when you're playing quarterback, focus on your effort rather than results, or kicking field goals, or hitting baseballs, or shooting basketballs. But we talk more so about comfort levels and confidence with your mind and feeling good about going out and playing. 
And I feel in light of everything going on in our country, the pressures, the stressors, the anxieties going on today that so many people are confronting and facing. I mean, let's face it, most everybody knows someone who at some point is going to either have or or will will have been affected by COVID-19 and the virus going on. And there's a lot more fear today than ever before in light of that. So as a coach, I think your role has changed. Athletes look up to you. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. They look up to you for your guidance, for your support, for your direction. And I believe taking time to have a mental health session with your athletes on somewhat of a regular basis I think is important. I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach and get your opinion on this. And I don't care what level you coach whether it's male or female, if it's youth sports, high school, collegiate, with professional, whatever, do you feel you need to take some time as a coach to sit down with your athletes and just have a group session where you don't suit up one day. You just sit there and talk about how everybody's doing. Show your human sides. Share how you feel about everything going on. You know, self-confidence is such a difficult topic to teach because it's how someone feels inside. It's the ability to believe in yourself, your skills, your abilities. How do you teach that? How do you get somebody to become more confident? Well, you gradually show them success. You teach them not to be afraid to fail. You teach them not to be scared to screw up because there's that word fear, fear. Fear is a big part of our life now all over the place. So as a coach, do you feel you need to become more of a better listener, more of a better guide and a director in terms of how people feel than about teaching plays. Now, maybe you don't agree with me. Maybe you think, no, that's not my job. I'm here to teach how to how to run routes and how to shoot balls and, and, and how to run plays. That's not my job. So I would like to hear from you if you're a coach. I'd like to hear from you. know, I'd like to hear from you if you're an athlete and you feel – You'd like to hear that from your coach more. You'd like, do you have mental health breaks on your team? Do you have mental health sessions on your team? Do you have times where your coach says, you know, today at practice, we're not going to go on the field. We're just going to sit and talk. I want to see how everybody's doing. How are you feeling today? How are you handling things? How are things at home? What's going on? I think a coach that does that and shows his or her human side helps their athletes more so probably than they'll ever know because it shows that you care about them as people. You know, the NFL season's about to get started. College footballs, college sports are all going to get going here. We have a lot of things going on in this country right now that have caused a lot of fear and anxiety for people. And a lot of people are scared. A lot of people are afraid to be in contact with people. So I think talking about fear is important. So, Blake, let me ask you this question. My producer, Blake Snyder's played college sports, played football. He's sort of a tough guy. He comes across as a tough guy, but he's really a teddy bear. But in all seriousness, Blake, okay, when you played football, did you have coaches sit down and talk to you about how you guys felt? Um, really, one, only one true time did it 
did I have a coach that kind of sat down with a, a group of players and, and he honestly asked us, he said, Hey, you know, we're in a, a position here where I just want to see how you guys are feeling. This was midway through the season one time. And he just, he just said what, it, how he asked us, and this is the first time I'd ever had it happen. And I believe the only time I ever had it happen. He asked us how we feel not only about what we're doing, but what's our goal. He's like, what in your guys' mind, what would be happy? What would make you guys happy? Would we be happy going five and five? Would we be our practices? Like, how do you feel about practices? How do you feel like, what is your, what is your end goal? What do you guys want to do? You just let us know. And that's what we'll work on. So what they did was he actually asked us a lot about practice and how he thought we thought practice was going. And actually at that point, we just felt like we were a little beat up through halfway through the season. So we wanted a lighter load at practice because it was going to make us fresher on game day. So what they, what so they, let, me, let me interrupt yeah. you here. So you come to practice one day and this is what you get presented with. Did that throw you for a loop or like? Oh, oh yeah. Well, wow. actually, I thought, I thought we got to work on some specific plays today. Yeah. So it was after it was after a Friday game. So typically, when you have to come in on a Saturday, you're working out, stretching, watching some film, going over you know the things from the day before. But we didn't do any of that. Well, we did the stretching part, but we he sat us down. He said, "I don't. Who cares about yesterday?" I want to know what we're going to do going forward, and I want to know how you guys feel about, one, what what it is our goal is here. What is your guys' goal as as seniors? And you just see, you just hit on the key word, feel, how you guys feel. I, I have found throughout my 41 years of doing this, so many coaches don't take the time to understand how their athletes feel, what they're, what they're thinking, what's going on in their minds. And that's why I brought this topic up today. So I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach or an athlete. You're a parent. In the world of sports today, should coaches take on more of a role of being a better listener, a better psychologist with their their athletes, with their teams? Do you think it's important to have a mental health break at practice one day, a couple days a week, and talk about feelings, talk about emotions, talk about how you're doing? I know there are a lot of people who say it's a sign of weakness to do that. Well, actually, if you say it's a sign of weakness, I think that means it shows you're weak because we all have feelings and emotions. And the bottom line is, as I always say, you can have two athletes who are physically the same, but the one with the stronger amount will come out on top. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now... State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. I've had very rich conversations around the issue of voting rights and D.C. statehood. D.C. statehood and voting rights, they're practically inseparable. And what we heard from the Democratic political leadership is that they care deeply about voting rights, D.C. statehood, but not so certain that they could make it happen in this political climate. But we also heard from the activists, they don't want to hear that. And everybody says Republicans are absolutely clear. They're going to hang on to their power by whatever means necessary. So it would appear to me we're in store for a lot of political unrest in our country in the days ahead. For more, watch State of Play TV, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 central on the Black News Channel, or go to State of Play TV on YouTube.
America. Your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week bringing up topics about the mental side of sports. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We've talk, had a number of interviews the last few weeks. Last week we had U.S. Olympic pole vaulter Casey Lightfoot and his parents on talking about how he got to the Olympics and and his qualities that made him an Olympian. And I want to congratulate him again. He got fourth place in the pole vault. That's pretty darn good. Fourth place in the world in the Olympics. Fifth place in the, making the Olympics is, is awesome. It doesn't matter. And uh, just to get to that point... But, you know, to get to these points, to get to these levels, and he mentioned that he's worked with me on a lot of things, and I've had a number of athletes on this show throughout my career talking about things we've discussed. 
and how your mind plays such a key role. And that's why I brought up this topic this morning about the role coaches have. And I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach. If you're a coach, has your role changed in light of the last year and a half in our in our country and the world with the coronavirus and everything else going on? Has your role changed to be a better psychologist, a better listener, a better guide, a better mentor? I think it should and it needs to. Do you feel it's time, more so than ever before, to have a training session devoted to no sports play but talk? Talking about feelings, talking about emotions, talking about stressors and confidence and fears. I think more than ever before, we need to do that. I mentioned earlier as I started the show, when I started working as a sports psychologist 40 years ago, there basically weren't any sports psychologists, one of the first trained sports psychologists in the country. And now there are all kinds of people doing this work, people in mental training, mental coaches, mental guides, sports psychologists, all kinds of therapists. Mental health has become a big, big topic now in sports and in light of what we saw and I've talked about it several times on the show about Simone Biles and what she went through you know it's, it was interesting uh, there were a bunch of people who criticized her for coming out and saying she was scared to vault because she had the twisties and where she didn't feel comfortable there was one guy who did a podcast who called her derogatory names insulted her I'd love to see that guy go down the runway and jump on that that vaulting horse and flip over. I'd love to see what I'd see him do that and see how he feels about possibly landing on his head. You know, how we deal with fears, how we deal with emotions is more important now than ever before. So I'd love to hear from you. Our number is 913-3810-810. If you coach a group of kids... Have you ever taken the time to sit down with them and just see how they're doing as a group and talk about it and say, share some things about yourself, share some things about how you feel about being together now. And, you know, this whole word fear, we hear it all the time, fear of failure, fear of success. Fear of being around you know, people. There's so much fear in our society now than ever before. In my 66 years of life, I can't remember talking with so many people who are scared about things. Scared about being around people. Scared what people say. Scared what people do. And I think it's important for coaches. You know, wh- what is a team? It's a group of people working together for a common goal. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, what, and what's that common goal? Maybe it's to win a game. Maybe it's to improve. Maybe it's to get better. Maybe it's to accomplish something where you learn about yourself. And that's where coaches come in as guides, as mentors, as directors. But but like I said, more so than ever before now, I think a coach has to be a good psychologist. So I'd like to hear from you. If you're a parent, if you're an athlete, if you're a coach, how do you feel about having a training session one day where you just sit down and talk about things. Do you think that's a good idea? Maybe you don't think that's a good idea. Maybe you're a coach. You go, no, Doc, that's not my job. My job is to teach these kids how to run plays, how to catch balls, 
how, how to run routes, how to hit a ball. I'm not going to sit there and talk about fears. That That's for weak people. Like, remember, we had a guy call up earlier this year. We were talking about, I mentioned failure and learning how to fail. And the guy said we we're teaching kids how to be, you can say the word. Yeah. We're teaching kids how to be. I said learning how to fail, learning how to handle it is is a great part of success. And he said, no, you're teaching kids how to be right. I'm like, really? You know, basically, look, more so than ever before, I, I am hearing in my practice from so many athletes the word fear. Fear of a lot of things. Fear of screwing up. Fear of letting people down. Fear of not succeeding. Fear fear of getting sick. Fear of hurting people. And that's why I think more so than ever, a coach needs to take the time to listen to his or her athletes about how they're feeling about things. So, Blake, if you were coaching right now, and you're a tough guy, would you do that? Or, or do you or do you not agree with this? I mean, there are probably people out there who don't agree with what I'm saying. About taking a training session one day to just talk about how you got how the team's doing. No, oh, I 100%. I 100% would, would be on board with that. Because if you're not in tune with how your team feels, your team doesn't feel like you've there's a connection that you build between coaches and athletes, and it's not just on the the hierarchical level of you're my coach, therefore I listen. You know, uh, kids and and men really and women, they want to be led by somebody that they feel not only understands and and has a superior knowledge of whatever it is they're doing, but also has a connection with who they're teaching the game to and why they're teaching that game to them. Because you can both learn from your athletes and from your coaches. And if there's not that open communication level, you feel like you're the only one getting talked to and you're not getting to share your side of it with your coach. And when there's a better understanding, for example, you think Andy Reid just tells Patrick Mahomes what to do and and he doesn't let Pat give a little input? I don't know what he does because I've never talked to him. But my guess, my guess would be, they discuss things. They get to know each other. I'm sure, based on on the several Chiefs players I've worked with privately in the last several years, they've said that Andy Reid does take the time to talk with them and get to know them as people. So that does happen. You know, there is that communication. And and, and I know when I work with the Royals, Trey Hillman took the time to get to know the athletes as people. He was a manager at the Royals when I when I worked with them. And he took the time to get to know these guys personally. And he, he was a man I admire immensely. I know so many of the great coaches that I've worked with over my career have taken the time to get to know their athletes. I know Rick Benben, who I work with for many, many years, has, soccer coach with the Kansas City Comets and then at UMKC uh, for many, many years as their head coach at their collegiate program with the men's team. Rick was a people person. Rick took time to talk with the players individually and got to know them as people. And that, I think, was one of the reasons he coached for so many years and, and was good at it. 
he cared. And, you know, when I, when I talk to guys that I run into, they say, hey, how's Coach Ben been doing? That he had such an impact on their life because he was a, a he showed that he cared. And I think in the end, you know, when you finish your athletic career at whatever sport you play, whatever level you play it at, as you move on, you'll remember your coach if your coach, if she, he or she took the time to get to know you as a person. And that's made a big difference for so many people. But I'd like to hear from you. Look, I said, should coaches take the time more so than ever before to have a training session, a practice where they don't practice? They talk about feelings. They have a talking session. Give me a call. And let's talk. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. Our topic today, the pandemic or post-pandemic, as we talk about the human and work-related hiccups and possible residuals resulting from the pandemic. Now, the takeaway for me or the startling reality, for me at least, was that I knew this pandemic has had its impact. I mean, over 600,000 Americans dead, so many Americans sick. And we know our schedules would change, but it seems to have pulled the covers off of a lot of other issues, a lot of other fissures within our society, and particularly in the area of the workspace. For more, watch State of Play TV, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 Central, on the Black News Channel, or go to State of Play TV on YouTube. Right now, our country feels divided. But there's a place where people are coming together. I gotta tell you, I was nervous to talk to someone so different than me. Me too, but I'm glad we are. Love Has No Labels and One Small Step are helping people with different political views, beliefs, and life experiences come together through conversation. And it feels good. Wow, your story is so... uh, Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) When people actually sit down, talk, and listen to one another, they can break down boundaries and connect as human beings. At lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step, you can listen to amazing, life-changing conversations and find simple tools to start a conversation of your own. I know one thing. This conversation gives me hope. It gives me a lot of hope, too. Take a step toward bringing our country and your community together by having the courage to start a conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit adoptuskids.org to find out more. 
This message is brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the US Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here every week bringing up topics about your mind, your attitude, how you feel about yourself. And today's topic was this. Should your coach have a practice session where you don't practice? Where instead of physical practices, you're psychologically practicing. You're talking about feelings, emotions. In light of everything going on, Today in our society, can you take the time as a coach, should you take the time as a coach, to open up about how you feel, how you're dealing with everything going on about feelings, and let the athletes share. Our number is 913-3810-810, and let's go to the phones. Let's talk to Pam. Pam, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dr. Jacobs. Thank you for calling in. Well, my question is, and I guess my comment is, that uh, with having so many grandkids involved in sports, and some of them have gone to state championships so far uh, in their young little careers, but I think that it would be a great asset if coaches would take the time to talk to the kids and ask them how they're doing mentally, because I think, um, sometimes the kids put so much pressure on themselves, and if a, an adult like a coach that they admire would help alleviate alleviate that um, pressure, I think that would be great, and I think they would probably um, do a better job. Has, has your family been affected by the virus, Pam? Yes. Have any yes. of your, your grandkids been sick or their parents been sick? One of my grandsons got COVID and he's he doing during baseball season. Is he doing okay? He's doing great. He's okay. doing great. How was that for him as well as for your, for his family? Um, I think it was he was more frustrated because he loves baseball and he had to take off for a week, you know, being quarantined. But um, his team ended up winning the championship, but still it was a lot of pressure, I think, if I'm not sure how his coach feels with them, but it would just be nice to have a Dr. Jacobs at every for every team to help them out. Well, that's why I think the role of a, a sports psychologist is so important today. Let me ask this question before I let you go, and I want to thank you for calling in. Um, do you think coaches should be trained in psychological skills in terms of building confidence, building self-esteem, and helping athletes cope with that as much as they are trained in terms of techniques, in terms of how to be an athlete in their specific skills of that sport? I think for sure. I think I, I, I've heard you before. I think a good, a good coach is a good psychologist. A bad coach needs a good psychologist. I believe that's what you're saying. Yeah. Well, yes, that is. Listen, th- thank you. Yeah, thank you for calling in, and ho- hope you have your grandchildren all stay safe, and you're staying safe as well. Thank you for your call. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You know, that's that calls why we do this show, because uh, the, the necessity to have the mental side of sports 
talked about. You know, the, 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 everything that happened in the Olympics with Simone Biles and with Naomi Osaka at tennis, you know, the U.S. Open starting, they are now having mental health experts available for the players and their staffs to talk to people. It's the first time that's ever happened where they're having, at a giant tournament like this, they're having trained professionals there available to work with the athletes. Casey Lightfoot, the Olympic pole vaulter, was on our show last week, and he said that that the USOC did have sports psychologists, which I belong to that organization, Sports Psychology Registry. There were people at the Olympics in Tokyo to help the athletes deal with their stressors and pressures. I, I think what we've seen this year in light of Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles, specifically those two young ladies, is that how we feel, how we handle our emotions, how we handle stress, how we handle confidence, in the end, is the bottom line to whether you're going to be successful or not. You know, you can be, you know, I, I, I've had the privilege to work with so many great athletes from my career. I was the Kansas City Royals sports psychologist in 1990, one of the first sports psychologists with baseball. I got to know George Brett, Willie Wilson, Bo Jackson, Tom Gordon, Brett Sabregan, Jeff Montgomery, all, all these great Frank White. I mean, the list goes on and on. All these great athletes. And I've had a number of them on this show. Tom Gordon, Willie Wilson, Kevin Seitz have been on this show, amongst others. And we've talked about how important mindsets are and how you deal with your feelings. Yes. Throughout my career, I know early on when I started working, a lot of athletes didn't, Doc, you know, I respect you, but I'm not going to talk to you because I don't want to talk about how I feel. I'm like, that's fine. You don't have to. But I'm here if you need to. And a lot of people, you know, let's face it, I don't care what you do. They, a lot of people don't want to deal with their feelings. But I think today more than ever, and, and this show is podcasted all over the place, so I would encourage you to have your coaches listen to what we've talked about today. Just think about, you know, there's a reason I do this show. I do this show to help people out. And it doesn't mean I'm right or wrong about what I say. There's my feelings, you know, my feelings and opinions are mine. But I've been doing this a hell of a long time. And one thing I've noticed more than ever before now is people are scared about a lot of things. And there's so much anger in our country, so much anger in our society, which just it just tears me up that this is going on. Because, you know, when you're born, you're not born angry, you're born hungry. And I think that we, we, we learn so many things, and there's so much hostility right now, that if we could find ways to get along and talk about this and work things out, we'd all be better off for it. And everybody disagrees about a lot of things. But when it comes to feelings and emotions, especially when, you're, when you go play a sport, why is the main reason we play sports? A lot of people say, well, it's to win. Well, to me, it's not to win. It's to go have fun and enjoy the experience. Yes, you'd like to win. You'd like to succeed. But the bottom line to me is this. I think we go to play to enjoy it, have fun, learn something about yourself, and become a better person for it. I mean, I don't care what sport you play. You're going to screw up. You're going to fail. You're going to lose. You're going you're to fall down. But the key thing to being successful in it is can you stand back up? And that's why I think when we talk about emotions, feelings, psychology, that's why as a coach, 
as we started the show off talking today, a coach has to be a guide, a mentor, a director, an instructor. But I think more so than ever before, a good coach now has to be a good listener. A good coach has to be someone who takes the time to listen to their athletes, to their team, to their parents. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. Our shows are podcasted all over the place. If you know a coach, I would encourage him or her to tune in and listen to this topic, especially today, because to me, what we've talked about today may be as important a show as ever. And we only have one caller, but that's okay. I don't do this show to get calls. I do this show to talk about things. And the more I talk to young athletes, and I mean young even at the college age. I'm 66, so they're young to me. A lot of these young people have these these dreams, these aspirations to succeed, to accomplish their goals, to get somewhere. But for many of them, there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anger about a lot of things. They just want to go out and play and have fun. And so the key thing for me is this right now. I think if you're a coach, I think it's so important to take the time to get to know your athletes as people. Why are they on the team? Why are they playing the sport? What do they want to accomplish? How do they define success and failure? How do they define confidence? How do they define winning and losing? Get to understand them as people. And the more you can do that, the better off you'll be, the better off they'll be. And down the road, long after they finish playing, they will be more appreciative of you as a person, as a guide, as a coach than ever before. You know, I do this show every week to bring up topics that I think will be of interest to you as a listener. Like I said, our shows are podcasted all over. So I'd encourage to have your coach listen to what we talked about today. Take it to heart. You can always reach me in several ways. You can get a hold of me at my office, 816-561-5556. You can reach me at my website, winnersunlimited.com. You can send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. Hope you have a great week. Stay safe. Take some time to talk with your kids, talk with your coaches, talk with your friends. Share how you feel. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Have a great week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And now, State of Play with former Washington, D.C. Mayor Sharon Pratt. Our topic today access to capital in communities of color, especially the African-American community. And now J.P. Morgan Chase has made a commitment of $30 billion to help bridge this wealth gap. But no matter how you cut it, no matter how you look at it, it appears it's a staggering challenge. There is still significant resistance. And I think sometimes people forget the role of African-Americans in our capitalist system was to actually be the capital something that was bred and bartered. And that is a tough starting point to try to catch up and to have any parity in the 21st century. For more, watch State of Play TV, Saturdays and Sundays at noon, 11 Central, on the Black News Channel, or go to State of Play TV on YouTube. 
If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke anime Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.